1: Doc, Jason and Brad pinch hitting for Pat, Stu and Jeffy today. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got some really interesting news right off. Kellyanne Conway, spokesperson for President-elect Trump, has some information for us.
2: Obviously,
3: we had the breaking news this morning that um, Donald Trump's not going to be pursuing investigations against Hillary and the administration's going to... Do you think he'll encourage Republicans on the Hill to stay away from that
0: as well and focus more on their legislative agenda? I think when the president-elect, who's also the head of your party now, Joe, tells you before he's even inaugurated, he doesn't wish to pursue these charges, it sends a very strong message, tone and content to the members. And I think Hillary Clinton still has to face the fact that a majority of Americans don't find her to be honest or trustworthy. But if Donald Trump can help her heal, then perhaps that's a good thing. Um, I do. Look, I think he's thinking of many different things as he prepares to become many the president of the United things. States. And things that sound like the campaign aren't among them. But wait, mm. I am mm. but wait,
1: didn't he's not he going to pursue charges against Hillary Clinton. Mm. But Trump Wow, that seems a bit damned irregular. Wow, I think I know why. I why? think I got it. Why? He just doesn't have time right now, what with building that wall. Oh, Because the construction, true. I'm pretty sure it started, right? I mean, they're already laying the footers, ordering the parts. Do you know blocks are
3: to pick up and mud up and
1: put in place? This is what pisses me off. This is one of the issues I could have actually gotten behind Donald Trump for, right? Uh, I I didn't support the guy. As I've said, I I wish him well. I hope he's going to do well. Some of the stuff I like. This was one of the things I liked. But what did I keep saying? I'm just not sure if I can trust him to do this stuff. And here he is, Jason, not doing the stuff. Yeah, but look at her behind you. Oh my God! That's
2: a good picture right there. These are the things that I hope the media starts to hold him to the fire against. Even his most staunchest supporters, I hope that they start holding his feet to the fire <laughs> on stuff like this. And I've heard a lot. Of, I've heard a lot of people like compare this to back when, uh, to yeah. back when Ford pardoned uh, Nixon. And in my opinion, and I was completely against that as well. Sure. I mean,
1: I wasn't alive. He then, absolutely should not have.
2: <laughs> right. But still, the I Lord mean, the best thing for the country to heal is justice. That is the best thing. Yes. You have to display that we are are a country of law and order. There was nothing wrong with, you know, what he should have done. The problem with Trump always has been he just doesn't frame things in the right way. He never says it the right way. What he should have said is, look, I am going to let the FBI do their job. I'm and gonna let if- then I will. Right. right. And let, let the Justice Department, because now we know that there was like moles within the Justice Department, which were leaking information back to the FBI and back to Podesta. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to say, look, that is over with. I am going
1: to let the Justice Department and the FBI do their job. And we're going to do it openly, above board, complete transparency, which we haven't had. This is what America needs. And let justice be served. Exactly.
3: Right. How about this theory? And Glenn has long said this, that there's something wrong with Hillary in health wise, <laughs> that there's something seriously wrong with her. Trump knows it. The FBI knows it. Maybe this woman doesn't have very much longer to live okay. from and a health perspective. No, and I
1: understand what you're saying. And then I would I would say two things to that. Number one, then if you're concerned about the health of the nation as well, then she has to come out with it. And that has to be number two. Do they ever say, um, well, you know, you're pretty old, but you have a bunch of child pornography on your uh, computer or whatever, so we're just not going to prosecute you. You're, you're 80. You'll be in jail the rest of your life. I mean, sometimes they take some of the sentencing into consideration, but you still do time. Yeah, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, but now you're saying, now you're going along with that precedent of look, I, we're still going to manipulate things around. You're not changing anything. This shows that nothing changes. This shows that you're still going to turn a blind eye, or you're still going to manipulate certain government agencies so that you know your outcome is is the end of what happens.
1: It's still nothing changes. Politics. It's still the insider inside the Beltway, good old boy network, and that is one of the cornerstones of the reason people voted for Donald Trump. His supporters said, I'm tired of the insiders, we need something different to shake it up, and this shows that he's doing the same old thing. Exactly. That's what I believe.
2: And what else yeah. happened? You mentioned the wall. What else? What is, What's the, what are the next things to fall? Right. I mean, the wall was very easy. I saw this coming a, a mile away, and I'm sure m- many people did. But all he really has to do is, he goes, well, that was rhetorical. I was saying, like, I was think, thinking... <laughs> a,
1: Metaphorical a, wall. Many, right. Like, a wall around America. <laughs> m-
2: more, more security. A, a tougher stance. Right. You know, that's <laughs> the wall.
1: Right. Harsh language. I was that building wall. a wall shaver. I feel like I needed a closer...
3: <laughs> well, we went down to McAllen, Texas, I think that was a year and a half ago. Did you go, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember seeing the wall, the parts of the wall that are, are built? Because there are some parts, right. right? But there are huge gaps in it. Yeah, there is no way that that thing is ever yeah. going to be completed. Well, it thousands just of miles doesn't.
1: Well, and then he, he's already it doesn't said. Doesn't make any sense. Well, a wall, a fence. You know, <laughs> wall Two twenty, two twenty-one, whatever it takes. <laughs> I went, you
2: know, I did a follow-up uh, trip, and I went to with uh, Congressman mm-hmm. Gohmert, and he That's took right. us around. This was like just a few months ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, Congressman, is, is it is it really viable? Do we need a wall here? And he goes, No, all we need is someone in charge to say, Look, instead of and this was and I verified this with my own eyes. The border patrol agents weren't down on the actual physical border, you know, by the Rio Grande. They were about five hundred meters back. So, literally, the policy was, and they kept saying, this is not our policy, this is what we're being told to do, is to wait until they break the law, come Mm -hmm. across, and then we gather them and process them and put them in the system. From then, we don't know what happens. But all all they have to do is, you don't have to do a wall, just position them where they're supposed to be, on the actual border, and stop them from breaking the law. Yeah,
1: how about that? We're, We're right here at the border. Get out. Right. I see you over there. Get the hell out. And we you, got guns and stuff here. Get out. And there you, it is.
2: And you know who was actually doing their job and preventing the crime from being happening? Uh, the Texas, what was it, uh, Department of whatever it was, uh, yes, the, DPS or whatever. They had their own, like, riverboat, like, squad mm-hmm. with, like, fifty caliber machine guns. They were oh. They were interdicting and stopping it from happening. They were operating completely beyond what the actual Border Patrol was doing. So the wow. federal agency was hands off, stay back. But the state federal police agency was... Kicking butt and taking names. Did you
3: see the park happening. right across the river? Yeah, yeah, and all the cars parked in the, in, the, in the parking mm-hmm. lot over there. And they <laughs> yeah. told us we could run those plates. Most of those are stolen vehicles. Yeah, and what they would do is the the, the, on, the on the Mexican side, they would jump on jet skis, take the jet ski across the Rio Grande, ditch it on the shore, and just take off running. Yeah, it's wow. just it is it is when you see it in person, you realize. There's nothing we they're, can do they're, about they're, this. Well, but they're not
1: really trying, though, when you see yeah, it. Right? Other than but, taking
3: I mean, pot shots and taking people okay. out and saying, look, he's dead. You want to be next? Get back. Well, and I've seen this what what like, like people
1: a place like Brownsville in that where supposedly there are kids that every day walk across the border from Mexico to go to school in America. Yeah. Why am I paying for this stuff?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, and, and I don't know if you know this, but Supreme Court law says that if you are a child in America, we must provide an education regardless of your status. Mm-hmm. Period. That's the law. So we have to stop them at the border. Once they're here, the law is, Supreme Court ruling, we have to give them schooling. Mm -hmm. So if you go and fill out a form for your kid to go to school, and if you've ever done this, I mean, it's, you know, paperwork when they start school and shots, otherwise they're not going to let them in. Well, wait a minute. What if you're illegal and you don't have that information? So there's a form. I remember when I was working in Virginia, a form that the states that says, uh, are you a citizen, whatever, blah, 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 or you can just, Swear that you're a citizen. There's just a form you could fill out that you don't know. All other... So they get around it. So once again, it's we punish the people for doing the right thing. You're legal. You do the right thing. Your kid has the shots. you 're got to fill out all this stuff. They give you a hard time. If you do the wrong thing, eh, they will give you a pass.
2: Yep.
3: Yeah.
1: And yeah. that's
2: the way it's going to be. <clears throat> you know, the, the most scary part that I saw when I went now with Congressman mm-hmm. Gomer right down to the border was, is I remember we were driving around and he was showing us all the places where they were coming across. And then we all of a sudden we heard on his radio that they had captured a group of like five to ten Chinese nationalists, Chinese nationals, and I was like Chinese, and they were calling in because they didn't an interpreter because they didn't even know how to converse with these people. So we went down to that area, and sure enough, there was I don't know around ten like a family, a Chinese Mm -hmm. family.
1: So these are like the people that had a Chinese restaurant in Mexico for many years, right? They they were Mexicans. They didn't even speak Spanish. Right. Like, (laughs) they had people, like, the Border Patrol could speak Spanish. They couldn't even speak Spanish. Mm -hmm.
2: So what they said, and we talked to them, they were like, oh, yeah, they're coming in from all parts of the world. They know they can get in through Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
1: public worldwide when Trump says we're going to build a wall. What's this about? Well, in America, here's the issue with immigration, right? Right.
2: You're
3: not suggesting that terrorists could go to Mexico and then come across the border, are you? No, no. We're (laughs) suggesting
1: that they already
2: have. Uh, yes, many, many well, are. Yeah, that's more than difference. likely. And that's something they would not comment mm-hmm. on. We asked them, like, has anybody come across speaking the Arabic? And every single time, they're like, ah, you can talk to the public affairs,
1: you know, official, and he'll mm-hmm. tell you, you know, yeah, because they know that's going to be a blurb. That's a headline right, right there, you know. Yep. <laughs> and I guarantee, you, yeah, it's, it's from everywhere in the world. And a lot of these people, I'm sure, are people that are just looking for a better way of life. They have a horrible place they live, in. I get it. But we have to make sure we know who these people are, that they're not terrorists, because it only takes one. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. By the way, there was breaking news last night, I don't know if you saw it, that um, the State Department has issued a travel warning for all Americans in Europe. Hmm. Again? Again. Yeah, I mean, this is not uncommon, but here we are heading into the holiday season, and they've once again issued it. And the way it was worded was kind of interesting. They wouldn't be specific on what the threat was, that's not uncommon, but they said um, specifically in large gatherings, be careful, that oh, was gosh. part of it, too. And we know, I mean, in recent times, I mean, Nice, nice. multiple ones in Paris. You've got, uh, you know, the Macy's Day Parade and Black Friday coming up and all of this stuff. And they do, as part of terrorism, want to disrupt our commerce. We know that. You know, that's going to be successful for them. It could be the same old, same old. Warning, never panned out, fine. I just have an odd feeling about this one. Apparently, Maybe I'm France, wrong, and I hope I am.
3: France, of all mm-hmm. countries, foiled an ISIS-linked plot.
1: France. Wow, well, I mean, France, they, they, apparently they were actually
3: successful. Up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, there's it's something wrong with this.
1: Necessity is the mother of invention. Isn't it true? I mean, how many attacks does it take before they get serious right. about it? Right.
2: They are in serious, serious trouble. Um, and as ISIS is losing ground, actual physical territory in the Middle East, they're actually becoming more and more dangerous globally.
1: Um, we have a sh- yeah, is, is that out of desperation, you mean? Is that they're willing to take more chances, or what do you mean more dangerous?
2: Well, their whole, their whole uh, philosophy is built on recruiting. And the more successful attacks they can do outside, the more it legitimizes the caliphate in general, and that brings in more okay. fighters. So they are in desperate need of more fighters. They're losing them at a far greater rate than they're gaining them right now. And, it, yeah, everything is predicated on how their PR company works on a global scale. And so every time they do a successful niece attack or, you know, something similar, that like rallies people to the cause and they know where to go. They-
1: well, that's clearly part of their mission, too, because, I mean, look at the videos they produce. These things are beautiful. Oh, oh These yeah. are like, like Hollywood would they be proud of the quality of this stuff. It's production. amazing how they do this. Yeah, and they is. know that's part, their, that's part of their foundation for, for recruiting people and whatnot. It, it
3: says that they are uh, focusing on the upcoming holiday season mm-hmm. and associated
2: events throughout Europe, al-Qaeda and their affiliates. You mentioned uh, large gatherings like in
1: Nice, like when they just kind of bulldozed. That in, like, truck was semi-truck. amazing. And that was, that was a new idea, too, right? That was a newer thing that they had tried. I and mean, we think of the planes in the building, right, and then... A truck that was kind of newer. Okay, so newer in the West, but this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean in the West, not over in the Middle East. Yeah. Oh, in, in Israel, this is almost a daily occurrence. Right, right. And you never hear
2: about it because mm-hmm. it happens in Israel day in and day out. Kind of pisses me off a little mm-hmm. bit because.
1: Well, it, ha- it happens against other Muslims too mm-hmm. in the Middle East. You know, yeah. with ISIS, whatever.
2: And they and they specifically wrote about those types of attacks in their like Inspire uh, magazine uh, and, and all of their uh, you know the global propaganda they put out through their publications. They've said, look, if it, it's too hard nowadays like france people places like france are starting to catch on every time you like try to you know purchase some explosives then it's typically like an fbi type organization that's actually posing as someone to sell these so they're getting caught they don't have the trade craft now they're not professionals so they're getting caught trying to get weapons so like look that, that's too much trouble just get in a big vehicle wait for like something like the bastille celebration in france and just drive through you'll take out uh, probably far more than you would by wow. setting off a random, you know, detonation. So now, and it's harder to detect. It's uh, yeah, much it, harder. Impossible. Yeah. Like the guy I think that did that attack, he, he was not he, he was not on any radars.
1: Like no one knew yeah, I mean, anything get your, about this Get your, uh, your dogs out there. How's that going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> truck, right. Truck, truck, truck. Right. I mean, that's it, right? Completely undetectable.
3: Yeah. Uh, and, and now they're saying that the, these uh, suspects are between 29 and 37 years old. They are French, Moroccan, and Afghan nationality.
1: That's, only that's the Moroccan op right now right, right. only the
3: Moroccan suspect was known to investigators
2: yeah yeah, not surprising and you 're going I just want to take a, minute, a moment to say our FBI and our department of Homeland Security have awesome Awesome officers, and they're doing a great job. These these types of uh, you know plot foils happen all the time in the United States. We just States. never know about it. We did never know about it. And now we don't even pay attention to it because right. it happens day in and day out. They're doing a fantastic job. Great at their job. So big props to the FBI.
1: And that's
3: what when we were at the air show a few weeks ago here in in Dallas, one of the uh, pilots of the B-52, uh, he said, "Look, we're hitting ISIS targets all the time. They're not reporting on it in this country." We don't always make it known," he says. "But we've got we're hitting them a lot more than anyone knows. Yeah. So that was that was a nice warm fuzzy, actually.
1: Yeah. So Jason, what's what's the scene with ISIS as they bomb them? I mean, we know where parts of them are located. Is it just is it like a Hydra? They're just their little encampments are spread out all over within the Middle East. Are you talking about globally? Well, in the Middle East. <clears throat> so right now, they're they're caliphate, or, or even within certain cities or areas specific where we know they are.
2: Well, so their command and control structure is all within, you know, Syria and Iraq. So um, what we're doing now is hey, there's only so much we can do. We, we can we we're trying to we're pursuing a policy now where we support local forces. We don't want to com- commit large forces because, I mean, we don't want to afterwards. We don't want the brunt of the responsibility afterwards. So we're supporting, you know, like the YPJ, PKK. Uh, we're supporting, heaven forbid, Iranian Shiite militias. Mm. Look, we just are. It's it's a fact. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Kurdish. I mean, uh, it's basically a salad bowl of forces that we're supporting.
1: Anybody that's against ISIS will give you. We don't care how, whether we've liked you in the past, right? Yes, no, that's it.
2: I, want, I can't stress enough how dangerous that is. Really, it's like Obama didn't even. The Obama administration is has, is not prepared to handle the fallout afterwards.
1: Well, but we've we've had that bite us in the butt before, where we. have back people i mean uh, osama bin laden we bagged him for years right yeah and then they end up turning on us with with the power that they've created money uh, resources and weapons from us and me, the lack of foresight is very uh it's just frightening
2: i mean like you said we, we did it back in the afghan days we did it when when obama would just wanted to pull out all of our forces we had the rise of isis i'm telling you now we're doing it right now with how we're supporting this iraq well, and effect.
1: that's what scares me about assad too you know, the guy's clearly a bad guy. Is he going to help you in some areas? Yeah, maybe. But again, you're you the, he's the lesser of some evils, is the argument once again. And we got information that um, a representative—I can't remember her last name—God, uh, uh, her? Uh, no, um, Gadden—I can't think of her name. Anyway, she's a representative from uh, Hawaii. She's in the, I think, the second district. Brad, Tulsi Gabbard. That's it, Gabbard. Um, she interviewed with Trump yesterday. She's a Democrat. She's the, I think, first and only Hindu member of Congress Hmm. and first and only of uh, American Samoa descent. Hmm. She is an Iraqi war vet as well. I think she may have been a medic. Anyway, they're considering her serious consideration for multiple positions in the Trump administration. And the three that they're uh, speculating on is Secretary of State, which would be gargantuan, a Democrat, Which, you know, okay. sometimes you can make an argument for that. But this is a Democrat with the most senior cabinet position dealing with foreign policy, which you think would be very different. Now, she's done some things to support uh, Republicans, like um, better scrutiny of um, Syrian refugees when they come to America, stuff like this. But she backs Assad. She said, we need Assad. He's the guy he will make it settle down, essentially. Wow. Uh, uh, she could be, <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, real quick, a secretary of defense or um, ambassador to the U.N., they're thinking. Secretary of <laughs> defense? That's what's speculated, which is bizarre. Yeah, she's a veteran, and I have all the respect in the world for that, But she and a combat veteran, but she wasn't a strategist, which is what you think of for right. secretary of defense. Well,
2: I'm a veteran, but I'm not qualified for secretary of defense. I tell you what, just, just to go on tangent here. General Mattis is also being considered for that. Do you yeah. guys know General Mattis? General I only Mad know Dog the name. Mattis? I don't know much about him. Oh, my gosh. Everyone right now Google General Mad Dog Mattis. The guy is like a quote factory. This guy, this guy I, I served under him uh, during Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. He is the reincarnation of General Patton. Straight up.
1: So I, that's the whole attitude.
2: And that's his attitude. Yeah. He, he's the guy that coined the phrase, be polite, be be, be, curtis, be courteous, but have a plan to kill everybody in the room.
1: Nice. <laughs> that's nice, the guy. Nice, nice. That's who I want as Secretary yeah. of Defense. Yeah.
2: I don't know anything about this lady. I mean, if she's, a, if she's uh, supporting Assad, then she needs to They're go. They're also
3: right, considering but, her for U.N. ambassador.
1: Yeah, that's what I have. Ambassador of the U.N. was the third. Yeah. Okay, so, so Samantha Power currently holds that, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But I, I find <laughs> that interesting that what is it about her that Trump... Like I mean, to the point that they said they're seriously considering her for multiple ones. They want her in this administration. Is it diversity? Is it looks? I would think Donald Trump is somebody who's going to want, because she's already said. She's kind of hot. She's saucy, yeah. She said uh, that she will speak her mind and tell him she will stand up, blah, blah. blah. She's never going to not speak. So that's not what I would think Donald Trump wants. Why do they want her? It's kind of hot. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it sounds.
2: It sounds like one of those check-in-the-box uh, a woman, a Democrat. Okay, Hindu. Let's so yeah, we, get a, we cover exactly. a lot of ground here. A lot of diversity checked off there. So let's do it. I hope they don't go that way. I actually, Romney was actually thrown out as a, po- a possible candidate, mm-hmm. and I kind of like that. I thought that that was like he's not so hot. He's not, he's not as hot. She's hot. granted, mm-hmm. but he's one of the ones that he's kind of counter to that, oh, Trump is pro-Russia, because Kerry was the one of the ones that came, I mean, not Kerry, um, Romney was the one that first came out and said, look, uh, you know, Russia is one of our biggest geopolitical foes. We need to concentrate on that.
1: Oh, uh, the 1980s called. <laughs> right. They want their foreign, foreign policy back. Right. right. It turns out that, yeah, he was he actually was right, right on that time. stuff. Yeah.
2: But that's a good <laughs> counterbalance to
1: sure. that. Well, and the guy looks very statesmanlike. He's well-spoken. He could counter all that stuff. Could he work with Trump? I mean, who knows on that? Uh, would he i don't know but yeah i could see that i mean i i'm not the biggest fan of romney but you're right he does fit fit the bill and and would do pretty well in that all right let me get a quick break in also coming back we're going to tell you about an off the record meeting that was held between donald trump and the media that's a doozy we're going to tell you about an off the record meeting (laughs) an off the somebody apparently doesn't know what off the record (laughs) is we'll get to that coming up pat and stew program
0: Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com
1: Welcome back. It's Doc, Brad, and Jason pinch hitting for Pat Stu and Jeffy today. If you would please follow us all on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show. I know it's at the blaze Brad for yep. Brad. And Jason, you are? At Jason Butchell. Very complicated on that one. You can you spell Butchell? Yeah, Butchel. but I was going to
3: say. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even spell it. Okay.
1: They can. <laughs> Very good.
3: Two T's, two L's, right? <laughs> exactly. Nice. Okay.
1: That's an easy way to keep up with us. And Facebook as well, same thing. Yep. Yeah, mine's slash Doc Thompson Show. Um, So apparently there was this um, off-the-record meeting between Donald Trump and members of the media. And I always find that hilarious. How many times do you hear about secret meetings that were held between so-and-so? Somebody's not getting this. And if you do want a secret meeting in D.C., you have to be aware it's probably not going to be a full secret, right? Right. So apparently, and help me understand this, Jason, so they call a bunch of members of the media. And we're talking some big names. We're not talking about low-end reporter, right? We're talking people who run these networks. And they call him in. And this report we're getting is that Donald Trump just blasted them all. He just gave him a dressing down for an hour.
2: Yeah. Well, he said he, he, he was on the attack.
1: It was more than just a dressing down. He was like, you guys
2: are liars, basically. You know, you guys showed significant bias during this entire campaign. I, I really don't know. It's just again, Donald Trump, he, he does not get it. I mean, literally, we have like, think about when President Kennedy came out and gave his big speech on secrecy and, 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 you know, the role of the media. Mm -hmm. I mean, he came out and said basically, look, he was basically addressing the media. And instead of calling them liars and saying that you guys are, you know, you know, being biased and all that stuff. He said, look, your business is the only business that's specifically protected in the Constitution. It's the only one protected in the Constitution. He then went on and said, look, this is this is your duty to basically do to me what Donald Trump is saying. Don't do to me. Do it, you know, call me, you know, call me wow. out on everything. Follow me as hard as you can, be as harsh as you can, because that is your job. Because when we stop doing that, we are in
1: serious, serious trouble. He did exactly the opposite of what Kennedy said. And it's funny, because it, it, the way I understand it, he went to Jeff Zucker and said, let me get this right, I hate your network, everyone at <laughs> CNN is a liar, and you should be ashamed. What are they going to do here? I mean, this guy, I mean, in some ways, I can, you're right, I agree with you, Jason, but in some ways... He has them by the short hairs, right? No. And, and maybe they needed a little bit of that. By the way, if you don't like it, CNN, Jeff Zucker and others, if you don't like it, you created this crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had been above board, you wouldn't have gotten that from Donald Trump. Yeah. All you had to do was not be a jackhole. And you couldn't do it. All you had to do is say, we are truly going to be what we claim to be. And that's unbiased. Yeah. Fight to be unbiased. It's noble to do that. But they didn't do it, so you have yourself to blame. But imagine sitting in there, and he's blasting you like that, calling you liar. What are you going to say? I'm not going to take this. He will destroy them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The media
3: has, there's so many tentacles to the <laughs> media now, and it, it has become just a money-making machine on all fronts, <laughs> as I stand here. You know, on, on one outlet, front? On one of those fronts. But it's true. I mean, that, 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 that's what's happened. It used to be, back in the day, three networks and some newspapers, that they really were out there. I think, or, or maybe that's just looking at the past through rose-colored glasses.
2: Well, look what the media has devolved into. Like, the moment that the media had to become, a, a, you know, an organization that had to compete for ratings, yes. basically had to compete for who has the <laughs> clickbaitiest stuff, that's when they completely lost their way. I mean, it's, I mean, the New York Times just came out and said, look, you know, we're sorry for being, uh, you know, for not telling the truth or, you know, or maybe appearing biased, or whatever. We recommit ourselves to the truth. Well, now they say that.
1: After the election,
2: after eight years of Obama. And think about what they said.
1: We are going to recommit ourselves to truthful reporting, right?
2: Right. Which is calling yourself out and saying, yeah, okay, so we've been liars. Yeah, all this time
1: we haven't done that. (laughs) We're going to get back to it. You know, we got away from it. So all of that stuff that I challenged the New York Times on over the last 8, 10, 12, whatever years, I was right. They're not coming out and saying that. Man up, New York Times, and say it. Hey, when I, Doc Thompson, when Glenn Beck, when Jason, when Brad, and whoever else called you out for your biased reporting and said you were wrong about stuff, and you were like, oh, we're the New York Times. But what did they do,
2: like, literally days, hours after making that statement? They launched this cute, this ridiculous, I think it was a ridiculous, campaign reporting on the transition, Donald Trump's transition. They were calling him, like, unorganized, basically it was a a big crap show, basically. But they're saying it's completely, you know, just it's not going the way it's been. Well, Brett Baer followed that up with something really good. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm -hmm. But he showed the past administrations back to 1968. And basically, no one even begins to start naming some of their um, cabinet members. Obama
1: didn't. In fact, you For know who week three or four, right? And you know who got uh, uh, Trump's back was Axelrod. David uh, Axelrod came out and said we hadn't named anybody yeah. until weeks later. Donald Trump, right. he said, is ahead of the game. He said, he said, I have concerns about who he's picked already. He said, but he's ahead of the game with this.
3: Which again, the, Trump has thrown every and Caleb. Parker and I had this discussion <laughs> not too long ago. His whole head, his, his young skull full of mush, which is not full of mush. He's really smart. Every rule that he ever learned in political science is gone. <laughs> done. Out the window. And that's what Trump, Trump has done. Everything that we've learned up until this point in history,
1: gone. Let, let me share some of the quotes and set the scene for this meeting, this off-the-record meeting. They go in there, and it was described as an effing firing squad. They said it's a room full of um, uh, up to 40 people, including popular news anchors from the network. So... I don't know who those popular ones would be is it David Muir from ABC is it Scott Pelley from CBS I don't know but there's popular anchors in there Jeff Zucker uh, Jeff Zucker from CNN the guy who runs it some other people who run it uh, run these networks as well so we're talking the upper echelon of network news um things Trump kept saying things like we're in a room full of liars the deceitful <laughs> dishonest media got it all wrong he called Jeff Zucker by name and said everyone CNN is a liar as I said I mean he just kept hammering these people. What they think was going to happen? What did they think that they were going hey, to do? Hey, we're going to meet for? the Vice or the President elect. We're going to go ahead and meet
3: him. Yay. Is that really what they thought?
2: Can I can I read cuz I jotted this down yeah. before we walked out here because this was I was looking at that Kennedy speech. This is Kennedy addressing the media. Just 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 for like a compare and contrast thing. He said the media is not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and sem- sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect. To state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion—what a difference that is!
1: So he exactly—he did the exact opposite of what Trump did. But don't talk about Maryland.
3: <laughs> See, that was just yes. it. And and going back what I said earlier about the you know the the big three networks and the handful of newspapers was
1: was the press a more honorable? No. Den of Thieves, Den? No. We, we are more, this, is, this is, I think, the problem. We're more knowledgeable, but we're not doing anything with it. We're not holding them accountable, accountable with the knowledge we have. We literally have situations where somebody will say something that is captured on camera. Everybody knows it's going to be captured on camera. In fact, 500 different angles. You'd find 60 versions of it on uh-huh. YouTube, right? And they literally say the exact opposite the same day. And, and we do this all the time. We're like, this is what he just said. Why is he saying this now? And we mock it, and people go, oh, that guy's a goof. And then we move on and accept it from these right. people. You know, back 100 years ago, they'd go on whistle-stop tours. And what that meant is they'd stand out at the back of the train and address the crowd in Walla Walla, Washington, and they'd head on down to Coos Bay, Oregon or someplace, right? And they'd say, the, I'm with you people of Coos Bay. Those jackholes in, uh, in Walla Walla, they don't know what they're <laughs> talking about. I'm with you, though, right? And, but it would never get back to it. Right. We actually have it now. We have the technology. We just don't use it properly. And think about in the early days. I mean, you have people like Ben Franklin printing up newspapers. Often they would actually say in the heading of the newspaper what their bias was. I mean, they led with what their bias was. I think it went wrong when we started believing that these people were journalists and above it. And Walter Cronkite, who was one of the most biased guys out there. I mean, he was absolutely biased. But we didn't know it. We believed that everybody was above board with this stuff. I want truth. Just tell me your bias. Just tell me what you think of this stuff. Put it out there, ABC. Well, we're center left. We're center right. Whatever. Tell us what the people believe. Tell us about all the reporters. Here's what this guy believes. Here's his affiliations. Then I can take it with a grain of salt. I don't think they'll do it because oh, they absolutely will
2: and they'll show how stacked <clears throat> the deck is mm. against conservative values because they are all on the other side. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually worried about where how Trump is going to harness media towards his own goals going forward. Um, he's already you know sh- kind of showing towards the, as the secret meeting was is that he's going to strong arm people that are against him, but
1: the, right this meeting yeah absolutely right.
2: and and then look at look at his administration. He has two members of. You know, owners of the media, basically. He has Steve Bannon, which is not really an owner, but he's heavily connected to
1: Breitbart. Did he resign his position? Do we know what he's done? Does he have financial mm-hmm. influence in it still? Does he get stock options or anything? Do we know? No,
2: not technically. Okay. But, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I he doesn't don't... need it at this point. He'll get it on the backside. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. just don't buy. He, he can't. I, I'm, I think that it, whatever he wants to get done or push through at Breitbart. He's going
1: to call up. He doesn't right. have to do that text. Yeah, right. whatever.
2: Um, and, and then also he has his son-in-law, which owns The Observer. I have no idea oh. what's going to happen. But he has, he's put in um, you know, pieces on the chessboard to where he can literally push through a conservative agenda and help these other networks. So, I mean, right now, it's like what we have, like Fox News is the only one like yeah. everyone knows has a conservative agenda. Well, pretty soon, I, I just feel like he's going to start stacking that, you know, in his own way with other outlets.
1: Here's what I want to know about it. Though. I mean, so, you know, this same stuff, maybe in a slightly different way, nicer way, whatever, spin, better face put on it. The media was told the same stuff with Obama, too. We've heard of those meetings where only certain members of the media... I mean, in public, it's like, all right, we got Fox News out here in the crowd. We'll take a token question from you. But they would actually have private meetings all the time with just some of those ABC, NBC-type, you know, mainstream media people. And they would tell them, and they would actually say, we will help you with these ideas. We know this has happened. So it's happened before. Now you've got Trump doing it, but we know Trump is not the guy that... You know, conservatives believe, but we know why he voted. You know, he's not that conservative guy. He's not
3: the guy that anybody believes. Right,
1: exactly. So he's going to use the media. What is he going to use it to do is my question. Yeah. I mean, will he lead on, we need a balanced budget amendment. We need um, term limit amendment. He can do that. He's got most of the states that are controlled by Republicans. He's got the House and Senate. He uses the bully pulpit, which is powerful enough. And then the media like that? Yeah. he could do that. That could be done in months.
2: Well, he, yeah, he could. I, I, I don't. I personally just don't think that anything's going to change. That's one of the biggest issues that I have with this: is that you're basically continuing on what the past presidents have done and use the media as basically a weapon. I mean, if you really want to be, you know, a different, you know, if you really want to be different with your administration, kind of like what you campaigned on, then just put it out there, like make it to where show everyone that that's not your agenda. You're not going to do that. You know, empower the press. Basically, don't try and like you know stamp them down
1: interesting all right quick break in and uh, back with more it's doc and jason and brad in for pat stew and jeffy today Okay, uh, right before we came on the air here, and I, didn't, I had not even looked at our rundown to see everything we were going to do today, but right before we came on the air today, a buddy of mine out in the hallway goes, Did you see this video? And he refreshes my memory that I had a gentleman on the air on my morning radio program, the Blaze Radio Network, to talk about the alt-right and what it means. Because I kept hearing this term months ago, and I had an idea of what they were talking about, but I wanted it explained. So this guy was somebody who proudly adopted the alt-right you know, mantra or or label, and was kind of explaining it. He is a self-proclaimed white nationalist. And so I'm trying to feel him out about this. No, no, not a white supremacist. All white supremacists are nationalists. But not all nationalists are white supremacists. Is that it? So nationalism, white nationalism, we believe it's a white nation and we want to keep it a white nation run by white people. But it doesn't mean we're out there necessarily putting on sheets and marching. Slightly better. Okay? Slightly better. Self-proclaimed white nationalist. And he explained the alt-right. And I got where he started from logical places, but then just crazy time, right? His partner is the one who has the video that a buddy of mine showed me out in the hallway. Wow. And we had him on there. I'm going to try to get him on Glenn Beck's radio program tomorrow. We'll see if that works out. This is one of the strangest and shocking videos I have I've seen. You got? Have you seen it yet? Oh yeah. Okay. Let us share it with you now, and then we'll comment.
2: Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! No one will honor us for losing gracefully. No one mourns the great crimes committed against us. For us, it is conquer or die. The mainstream media, or perhaps we should refer to them in the original German, Lügenpresse. Oh,
4: wow. What? What?
2: It's not just that they are oh leftists God. and cucks. It's not just that many are genuinely stupid. Indeed, one wonders if these people are people at all. Or instead, soulless golem, animated by some dark power to repeat whatever talking point John Oliver stated the night before.
1: Okay, the only thing missing from that dude was the little mustache. That was the only thing missing. What is this? Jason, what is... This, okay, this is our fear. This has been my fear with these people, yeah. right? And a lot of you people that are going right on with you, brother, are people that I wa- marched with on D.C. as part of 9, uh, uh, the 9-11 protest with um, FreedomWorks. I was out at a Tea Party event after Tea Party event on Capitol Hill and all over America. I did a documentary on the Tea Party groups. And I defended these people going, listen, you don't understand. These, most of these people are not racist. They're not whatever. And then I find out about half of them were. Yeah. Or are now? That's the split with the alt right.
2: Most people don't even if you most people don't even know what the alt right is. That's like it's, it's, I can't even ex-
3: fully
1: explain ask, it. What,
3: when they started the, the term start, started popping up what a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I had to go ask.
1: It's what? not extreme right. It's not it, it, that's people paint it this way. It uh, yeah, is a no. subset of people in the right that believe that crap. Let it's about have... control.
2: Let me tell you something that will scare you, and this is dangerous, and this is ridiculously sad. But I'm writing something for Glenn right now, and I was looking up a bunch of stuff on the alt-right. If you actually go to the alt-right Wikipedia page, it's under a subcategory in a series on conservatism. Now, that, that should scare the yeah. holy crap out of you. Now, this is the danger of it, and this is, this is their success. Now a lot of our, a lot of nationalist goals like there's really like there's a global like I don't know civil war or war between globalists and nationalists mm-hmm. which I'm perfectly fine with because I'm not for globalists I'm for sovereignty which means you could actually call me a nationalist because I'm for sovereignty
1: but but it's different from what they Huge mean or difference. believe right
2: now this is this is what's bad there's been the very Al Davis just win baby mm-hmm. with nationalists
1: now you're <laughs> right, right you're right you've yeah. got
2: people that are and this is on the left side too mm-hmm. like a lot of people on the left have. have they kind of co-opted radical groups like BLM and said, look, we're just going to kind of toe this line so we can all we're going to say just enough to where we don't piss you off. But as long as we can, like, get some of your people in our movement so that we can win. Now, that brought in the Steve Bannons, the Bannons that said, look. Um, yeah, like he said, eventually, yeah, sure, there's a lot of um, um, you know, white supremacists and, you know, and, and, uh, and bigots and people like that, misogynists within their group, but that'll get whitewashed eventually. So yeah, we're, we're not sh-
1: concerned about that. As long as they have these core things. Right, right. These right, right here.
2: As, as long as they have some values that kind of like go parallel with ours, bring them on. Eventually, we'll get rid of them. Well, the danger of that is is that now the Tea Party... The Tea Party, for crying out loud, is now considered a member of the alt-right.
1: Right, exactly, They've right. They've taken it over. Right, exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's what's so bizarre about this. There were the, the people that were out there standing next to me all those times, I thought they got that that foundation. And I knew there were variations. Like, some people who are at a Tea Party event, they're like, yes, personal freedoms, capitalism, and free markets, right? Those are the two pillars, pretty much. And really, even capitalism, and free market, And then personal freedoms. And then within that, you'd have some groups out there that cared a little bit more about abortion. A little more anti-abortion as their their issue. And a little more about pro-Second Amendment or whatever it was. And that was fine. I just assumed that we all had that bottom-level conservatism is not about control. It's not Mm -hmm. about nationalism. It's not about white people. It's not about any of that stuff. Half of the people there didn't get the message. Right. And it's what's dangerous is all those people are now (laughs) integrated with the conservative movement. And... Everybody else believes they're part of me. Yes. Yeah. So, again, I'm a man without a country. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm supporting those knuckleheads on the left. So what's the solution here? The solution has to be you and I and people who think like us that know those people are crazy have to side up with the some of the liberals, not the progressives, but the liberals, the people that are just on the left. I think we have to find the common ground because there's more common ground than not and all stand united and say, you people are nuts and you progressives are nuts. Because the alt-right's a lot more close to progressivism based on the fact that they're control freaks than not. Here's my
3: theory on all of this because I I noticed this the other day when I was driving around. There are so many people now on the planet, in the country, in a city, whatever it is. When you have that many people, they're bound to splinter off into groups. Mm -hmm. And that is why, which is why I don't know if there is a solution to any of this as the population continues to grow, because you have more and more people that are going to feed more and more of these groups.
1: Why is it when I when I say stuff like this, I just know this is going to be played back right before my execution? <laughs> I would say right before my trial, but there will be no trial. It's just right before the execution. It's- All right, let me get a break in. It's Doc, Jason, and Brad in for Pat and Stu today. Just a little bit numb from seeing that video. It's, it's like that historical totalitarian coming to power, and we're watching it play out. Not not necessarily Donald Trump. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying these people, this attitude, getting so much credence. And by the way, they're not afraid. That's, that's, they're not afraid to put it in public, That's right? the scary part,
3: is that they're not afraid that the cameras are there. They're proud of it. And... It's really, really frightening, like you guys were talking about. And I, I wish I was as smart as you two, because I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around all of this.
1: I would say the best way I can explain the alt-right, and I don't care if they like it or not, um, it, it's, it's Nazism. It's fascism is what you're talking about. That's the way to describe it. There are people that go against, um, they, that believe the end justifies the means. I mean, we know that, right? They have extreme positions. Some of them I agree with, but for different reasons. I started, they, yeah, they have different reasons for. It.
2: I started looking at this phenomenon. I remember when a lot of people were like, uh, a lot of people that I thought that were conservatives started all of a sudden supporting like, uh, Ru- you know, Russia. They started saying, "Look, what they're doing is great," and I was like, "Why are you supporting like a crazy dictator?" Basically, it didn't make sense to me. Then they started supporting other like crazy groups in the, uh, out in the world, like other fascist parties out in Europe. And what they all had in, in, in common was is they were, the immigration was a huge issue, sovereignty was a huge issue, nationalism was a huge issue. But they had different reasons for wanting the same things that conservatives yeah, actually
1: wanted. Yeah, because I want all those things. You,
2: that sounds, yeah, we all want sovereignty. Right. We all want a secure nation. Mm-hmm. But we want them because we want them for security. You know what I mean? For like that, because we don't want terrorists. Not because I hate r- those brown border. people. Exactly right. Now we have people like in that video that they're white nationalists. They are white nationalists, but their end goal is the same as ours. So we we all want a you know we all want borders. We all want sovereignty. We all have, But the only difference is they want it for the purity of the white race.
1: So big we, difference. So you dance with the devil to get what you want, yep. and then in the end, it's going to be like musical chairs. Who's who's left? With right. the power at the end. If the right people are, hey, it could end up working out with you. If the right people are not, then you are going to end up with those totalitarians. Those.
2: Tr- Trump, Bannon, everyone else in the administration now has to make a clear declaration. <laughs> this is not us. This is not conservative. Right. and
1: I don't, I'm not saying Trump is, by the way. When I say no, all I right, I'm not saying either. Trump or any of those. No. In fact, I've even been a little softer on Bannon. I mean, I think, you know, I, he has some questionable things, but I haven't been ready to completely, you know, skewer him yet. Yeah. So I'm not attacking them with this. I'm talking, if you're somebody that sees that and is not just stunned, if you don't get the little tingles of shock, like you're watching something from World War II... In Germany, then you got an issue.
2: When, you know, the textbook case of this is when, when, when Donald Trump didn't come out and, and, you know, and, and talk about David Duke and his nom- you know, his <clears> uh, support for him. When he didn't immediately come out and do that, that was textbook Bannon ideology right there. Again, it was the Al Davis just win baby. Just win, by any he was, means necessary. Like, He's like, look, we have the same end goal. Who cares if they have all these other you know, little you know, blemishes? Mm-hmm. But just don't say anything. We have all these people. We have an army behind us. <laughs> and, I, and
1: I've even defended the people who they say, well, David Duke supports you. Well, yeah, but I can't control that. Right. I mean, I've even defended he can't control it. But you're right. You have to still draw that distinction. Yes. And it's not lip service. It's like this is clearly what I believe. I hope and I think Trump, you know, believes more like we than than the alt-right people. Let's hope that's true. That's just freaky scary.
2: Well, if we don't do that, if they don't do that, the trend now is is that the conservative the Tea Party movement's already dead. They oh, already associate ra- they already associate them with radicals like this yep. group in that video. They already associate with them, so the Tea Party is dead. Mm-hmm. Now, more like more like even moderate conservatives are going to start getting overran by some of these more, like, you know, fascists. Fascist and, so, and some pride. of that
1: is because they're all grabbing a little bit of power along the way. Mm-hmm. They're all like, I, I can co-opt. It's like Chris Christie behind Trump. Mm, I'll just grab some power, and they're willing to put up with it. It's, it's amazing. We're going to talk more about this on uh, the Glenn Beck radio program tomorrow. Hopefully, I'm going to have this guy or his business partner or associate tomorrow morning in the Glenn Beck radio program. Just go to theblaze.com slash radio for all the information on that. Back with more Pat and Stu coming up next. All right, here's what I know. I know that uh, we're not going to solve anything unless we uh, don't get to work and do some things for ourselves as well, better ourselves and do some things for our family. So beginning in the new year, um, so I'm going to continue doing something that I've been doing for a while on the radio show in the morning, uh, theblaze.com slash radio, and that is promote small businesses. I'm going to do what I can to help you grow your business. I'm going to give you free commercials, and I'm going to kick this all off this Friday on the Glenn Beck program. I'm filling in tomorrow and then uh, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. And I'm just going to give away free commercials in the Glenn Beck program on Friday. Wow. Yeah, Glenn doesn't know this yet, and I know he's not watching this because he's sequestered somewhere. Tanya's, like, keeping him away. So while he's away, I'm just going to give it away. I just want to promote people's business. So if you're selling sausages online, if you've got a perfume company, if you're growing candles in your basement somehow and you're selling them, let us know. Call in. We'll give you a minute of airtime and promote it like crazy. And then what to do is if you follow me on Twitter... It's at Doc Thompson Show. We use the hashtag Building America. So if you're listening to the program on Friday and you're like, oh, what was that cereal that guy's creating in Parma, Ohio? Go through my Twitter or look up hashtag Building America and I will list them all out with links to the stuff. So that's Friday on the Glenn Beck program. And one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I honestly believe that this administration is going to be better for business. I don't know how better, how much better. But I think it's going to be better than Obama. Do you guys think so? It can't get I, any worse. I Canada. was going to say,
3: and maybe that's part of the, the, the gut feeling that I have about President Trump being one of the better presidents in history. Maybe that's what right. it's all, I, And I just read a survey. Most Americans believe the Trump presidency is going to be a good thing. Well, my, because my, we don't have much of a choice.
2: Right. <laughs> exactly. My, yeah, he can do great. Just get out of everyone's way. Yeah. And there are but,
1: some, <laughs> I mean, his first 100 days, the stuff he's already proposed, I mean, there's quite a few things that are at least heading in the right direction. Some may have some pitfalls, but well, m- in the big picture, it looks good.
2: He said a few things that I didn't hear too many people talk about, but the one thing about student loans where he was like, hey, I'm going to do this and this and this for student loans. Dude, shut up. That's Bro, get out of your, Get in your lane. Get out of ours. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's exactly. not your job, dude. Right. Like, there was that, and then there Was the they keep saying we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare? Why add in the second word? Yeah, repeal it. There's no replacement needed. Right. The the market is going to figure everything else out. You don't have to add in all that other crap.
1: So replace. I'll give them a bit of a pass on it because replace has become a rallying cry, and it kind of makes the left, the people that like Obamacare, feel good. Oh, you're going to replace it? Okay, because they even know it has to be repealed now. It's it's a disaster. It's falling apart. Everyone knows that. So they know it has to have something else. Even if the replace is the free market. Maybe that's what he means. My biggest concerns were the problems with trade. Trade is a really tricky thing. He's right about the TPP. But trade, you can't simply get into a trade war with people.
2: Oh, and he talked, sorry, the the TPP, (coughs) that's one of his things. Like, oh, yeah, my first 100 days or whatever, I'm going to get rid of the TPP. That's already gone. Right. That's not going to pass Congress. That's that's already gone.
1: Yeah, even if he wasn't in there, they have the Senate. That was done. It was done anyway. (laughs) But trade is a tricky thing because even if everything is fair, equal with tariffs. All right, China, you have a 10% tariff on big pens. We have a 10% tariff on your big pens. Everything's fair that way. Even if that's the case, a lot of these countries subsidize their factories. they have different policies within their country, so automatically they can say it sell it lower on top of the fact that workers are cheaper. so trade is a really tricky thing
2: I want to expand on that by saying, and I studied a this a little bit in college because I was with the nerd that I was um, but i didn 't go to many parties <laughs> but um i looked at I looked at NAFTA and uh there is like so. Mexico, that NAFTA destroyed Mexico's main cash crops, which was bean mm-hmm. and corn. Destroyed them because we mass-produced those. So when they didn't, when we said, hey, you can't subsidize those, then we completely destroyed the, their main, their, their, what was driving their economy. Right. Now, that had a significant influence on illegal immigration. Now, literally, the metaphorical wall right. could be what he's doing with NAFTA. <clears throat> it straight up could. If he just makes a few tweaks and allows Mexico to resubsidize corn and beans... You know, we're not. We're still keeping the good parts of NAFTA, mm-hmm. and we're making but, Mexico great but again. Then the,
1: but the, the problem is, if you mass produce beans and stuff in America like that, you don't have a fair competition on the world stage. That's the reason trade is so horrible. You're right about that, and that also encouraged. Um, uh, some of the factories to move to Mexico, like Ford, and and I think General Motors does too. But I know Ford has the plants in Mexico now.
3: And well, this has been going on for years. I mean, when we were in Hawaii, do you know there are no more sugarcane plantations in Hawaii? I did not. Once they started, and I didn't either. CNH pure cane sugar from oh, Hawaii yeah. grown and gone. All of that when when they became a state and all of the uh, uh, regulations kicked in. Wow. They had to uh, minimum wage and all of that. The last sugar plantation. Uh, closed down in, like, 2000. One of the horrible so things
1: about trade, and I've actually imported some things for, for uh, retail sales. I mean, I've had some websites and imported some things from China. And it's a very interesting procedure because you may import coffee cups. I mean, import coffee cups, and they say, well, there's no tariff or there's a small tariff on it, or whatever. But if you use a slightly different coffee cup with a different design or a glass, well, there's a huge tariff on that. And you go, well, what's, what's the difference? Well, and it's simply because some businessman who made something in America wanted it protected so he said, let's ha- lay, ha- raise the tariff on it from, you know, coming into Mexico, or mm-hmm. to, from China, and they reciprocated and whatever. It's just somebody protecting themselves. It's cronyism. You, you, you have to be
2: careful on, when, during trade agreements, <laughs> what you decide to protect as a nation. Yes. So you have to define, look, we are the best at this, or whatever. So those things you have to subsidize. Um, but the problem is, is when everyone starts just putting random tariffs, you have what led to the Great Depression, where every country in the world is tarif- or putting tariffs on all their goods, and so nobody can afford to buy anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that Trump can do with, with, with NAFTA. Um, TPP is dead, but I'm fairly optimistic on what.
1: Okay, so you think, what you're you fairly done. optimistic that things could get better, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, everything has been kept down. If he even gets a couple of things right, you're going to see at least a better economy fairly soon. You'll also see some, some dips in things as well. But I think you're going to see some opportunities. Dow yeah.
3: Jones up, uh, topped 19,000.
1: And you know what? And he's only he was only elected two weeks ago. And right. look. And by the way, the cost of your Thanksgiving dinner has gone down 24 cents, just <laughs> under 50 dollars for a party of 10. Now, he, only two weeks, Jason. Wow. He's been elected. And look, it's already getting better. See? You
2: know? I tell you what is not the answer. These huge <laughs> trade deals with multinational trade deals like TPP um, and the one that we were doing. I can't remember the acronym in Europe that we're doing. Those are not the answer. Those are not the answer.
3: Is that your dog walking alarm? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you know who petitioned? One of the first uh, advocates for worldwide free trade was, and these massive trade agreements, Marx and Engels. They were the one, of the first ones that advocated that. Now that sounds weird coming mm-hmm. from communists, mm-hmm. but the reason they did that is because that would, have, they knew that that would eventually dissolve borders and that would hasten class struggle.
1: Yeah, and now, that's what they wanted. Now,
2: think about who's mm-hmm. pushing these these pa- trade packs today. You're right. It kind of puts it all into respect of what they want, what their end
1: goal is. Right, and as long as we've had sovereign nations, you've always had the ability, even if it was difficult, to say... We will move things to another country. Like you and I could escape oppression and go someplace else, you know, theoretically. But if you have no borders and you have this global economy, then it's strictly classes across the board. There's nowhere to escape to. Right. I mean, that's all. That's that's the plan. So any of these global things always scare me with that too. Oh, yeah. And how long before you say, okay, we got TPP and NAFTA. How about we have a global one? And how about how about and oh yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it leads to.
2: And the most dangerous <clears throat> things in TPP was what scared me the most was that. Did you read about that? That. Did you, Judiciary, like, committee. Like a governing, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, literally could overturn sovereign nation laws was if they wanted to. Bizarre. I yeah. Mean, imagine that. Like, mm-hmm. literally, that, that is and that is why the EU is failing. That right there. Like, right. nations were like, wait, wait, wait. Like, Greece mm-hmm. was like, whoa, whoa. You, like, they actually wanted to nationalize, uh, or the EU wanted to nationalize for the EU, like, Greek landmarks. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Parthenon and stuff like that. They were, like, going to take, the, and they had the power written into their constitution to do it. And Greeks were like, whoa, no, you can't do this. Well, and
1: the thing with TPP, too, then the, think about who would be interested in it. The people who are interested are somebody who's going to get rather than give, mm-hmm. right? And America is going to be given a whole lot there, too, as opposed to getting a whole lot with it. That's, that's another frustration. So the reason I asked that about Trump and about business, we've been focused on, you know, corralling our government over the last 10 whatever years and that's a good thing we have to keep focusing on that Mm -hmm. but i think it's time for us to start taking care of ourselves i mean it has been decades now since any of us have felt wow i can go out make a bunch of money look around you know i mean i i have friends multiple friends who had family businesses for decades and decades who went under at the end of the george w bush administration more during obama and you look around and they say, oh, the job numbers are great. People are making money. And you look around and you go, no, this isn't good. Prices are up and people haven't had raises in years. So this is part of my, my goal when giving away the free commercials with you know, Glenn's program, that is to help people out, to say, what can we do to make your life better? With the powers we have, you support us. I'm going to support you. So we're going to give commercials away. You got a business. Let me know about it in the future. And I'll help you promote it. And I hope you, you know, remember, I'm going to be working for myself along the way, and I hope you get that. I'm going to be talking about some doc Thompson and websites in the future, too. So just so you know, what's coming. But um, I think we need to start on financial literacy and encouraging people. Listen, this is how you do this stuff. It is still the best place on the planet Earth, America, to start a business, have a business, make money. There are more opportunities here. And with just this much help by, from Trump getting out of the way or taking some regulations back, it's going to be great. So we have to inspire. We are
2: so out of touch with, I think, what makes American business so great and our system, in general, and capitalism in general. And I just want to point out that it took an actor working, lobbying for a company, GE, to completely convert him. And eventually Reagan took those speeches and completely retaught capitalism and how our business works to the American people. It's going to take that today, and it's going to take initiatives like what you're doing to completely, you know, bring it to the public bring it to the Turn public. Turn it on its ear. Exactly, right? and say, look, this is why we are great. This is how you can make money. Until we do that, we're going to completely go in the progressive way. But it's way tough here. to
3: make money with money these days. That's and I have friends mm-hmm. who made money, you know, a couple of decades ago, and one of them told me, he says, look, you can't, you can't use your money to make money anymore.
1: No, I use a printer. In my well, exactly. So that's, you probably you shouldn't have told us then just now.
3: But that's one of the big problems. It used to be, I remember when I was in high school, you talk about a million dollars, open 10 T-bill accounts with $100,000 each, make 10 grand a month. You can't do that now. No. Negative interest. Right. So or the you, possibility uh, you, you cannot become wealthy with money
1: mm-hmm. now. I've got something that may do the trick, though, or is at least along the, the lines of what I'm talking about. And it's pretty timely. It's a movie that's opening this weekend, and it tells the story of the founder of the franchise corporation of McDonald's, not the original McDonald's restaurant. Those are the McDonald's brothers. And it's called The Founder. Michael Keaton plays the lead, Ray Kroc. And it's a phenomenal story. And Ray, although it was difficult and gets some things wrong, Ray Kroc really got some things right. I want to play the trailer for you of The Founder that opens this weekend.
0: I know what you're thinking. How the heck does a 52-year-old over-the-hill milkshake machine salesman build a fast food empire with 1,600 restaurants and an annual revenue of $700 million. One word, persistence.
4: Prince Castle Sales. Hi, Jim. Ray. how's it going down
0: there? Good. Swell, a lot of interest. We got an order, six mixers. To anyone in particular? McDonald's. Care for a little tour? We wanted something different. And that's when my brother here comes up with one of his brilliant ideas. Order's ready in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Unique, original. There's nothing like this. It's
1: revolutionary. That's
0: exactly what it is. It's revolutionary. What is that? The Golden Arches. It's a way to make the place stand out. Huh.
2: There should be McDonald's everywhere. Franchise the damn thing. Mr. Kroc.
0: Franchise. 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 McDonald's can be the new American church. It ain't just open on Sundays, boys. I am flesh and I am bone. Rise up, ting ting, like little and How can we be almost out of capital?
2: Did you mortgage our home?
0: I mean, we could lose everything. I want to renegotiate my lousy deal. I can't. Can't or won't? Ray. What? No. Ugh. damn it. What you ought to be doing is owning the land upon which that burger is cooked. You're not in the burger business. You're in the real estate business franchise realty corporation
4: it's its own separate company which puts it outside your
0: purview there's a wolf in the hen house we let him in when's enough gonna be enough for you probably yeah. never you are to stop this instant i am through taking, taking orders, orders from you you have a contract contracts are like hearts they're made to be broken I am
4: Business is war. It's dog eat dog, rat eat rat. I want
0: to take the future. I want to win. The brothers are your business partners. Make it go away. I don't care what it takes.
1: That
4: glorious name, McDonald's. I had to have it. You don't have it.
1: You sure about that? Ray Kroc is a failed mixer sales. I say failed. It just wasn't successful. So he's driving Route 66 from Chicago. That'd
3: be the same as failed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) We're real successful. So Route 66 went from Chicago down to L.A. It was a big loop like this before the interstate highway system. So he's driving it and uh, would stop at all these little diners, and he's working for this milkshake mixer. And he has this epiphany, and it's a horrible realization. That he's going into these mom and pops and he's like, buy this mixer, buy this mixer. They last forever, buy this mixer. And when he does get a sale, he realizes the mixers last forever. Yep. He's just lost his future customer. Mm. So when he's successful, he puts himself out of business. So he ends up in L.A., and he's like, hey, you know, all those uh, car hops where they'd skate out to your car. McDonald's was doing something different. They said, you come up to the window, and it's all disposable. There's no dishes. You know, all those things we know of McDonald's now that was brand new then, and it was fast, and had a stopwatch, and a limited menu, and all this. And he sees it, and he's like, this is the future. He has this, you know, realization. So he goes into business and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to franchise these, you know. And gets into business with them. They have all kinds of problems back and forth. The McDonald's brothers, that's where he got the name. Mm. Um, And that's what it's going to tell the story on. But eventually, he doesn't make his money off of franchisees buying the franchise for McDonald's Corporation. He makes no money. He makes his money off of the real estate. Because in the early days, you got the franchise by telling them uh, where you wanted to put it. And they would do all the research or whatever. And then they bought the land. You rented the land from them. They were one of the largest landholders in America, um, and for, for the, all the restaurants. Wow! You know, brilliant. What,
2: you know what it reminds brilliant. me of? It reminds. Did you ever watch uh, the Tucker, the Preston Tucker story yes. movie?
1: Yeah, like about was, the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it was a
2: struggle of a guy basically fighting against the government and mm-hmm. all the restrictions to make yeah. his business work. And I mean, just make. It just sounds
1: exactly like yeah. this, this. And Ray he is—he's so right about so many things. His passion, his drive, and all of that. But then you also see the failures, too, where he's, like, you know, not always the most ethical. And Ray was a little um, nutty. The stories are he was a germaphobe, like crazy germaphobe that would not allow any men in his office. I mean, this is up through the 70s and 80s and that. He would not allow them to wear uh, they would not, any facial hair whatsoever. I mean, this is facial hair time period, too, right? So I right? couldn't
3: have worked at McDonald's. No, you right? could <laughs> not have. Would not allow,
1: and that's the reason McDonald's used to have the stainless steel counters, because you can tell every, every fingerprint. Right. Wow. And he made them buff those all the time. And you used to have the uh, the mirror where you could watch him making the burgers in the back pa- mm-hmm. in the back because he was a germaphobe. You want to know what they were doing? With the burger. Why are so many
2: brilliant <clears throat> businessmen or just brilliant men in general or women? Weird. typically have some kind of weird yes. quirk like
1: that. I think it's <laughs> a bit of uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I think there's a little bit of that where they're like, you know, I have these issues and I have this vision where it's different. I'm so upset about this or frustrated. Their it brains be this work way. differently.
3: Yeah. Howard Hughes the same way.
1: Yeah, you're right. So, would
2: he have been successful today, do you think, doing this?
1: Yeah. Ray Ray Crock. I've uh, read a couple biographies on him just because he's such an interesting cat. Yeah, somebody like that, I think. It
3: would be something, obviously, different. It would be, but yeah,
1: I mean, I think. As successful, who knows? That might be a lot about it, but he's going to be successful.
2: But there's men that, I mean, there's like, was it? I think Bill Gates came out and said, look, Microsoft doesn't happen today. It just doesn't. There's too many restrictions in the way. It Could be. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard multiple people like that. I think Steve Jobs even commented
1: well, on that.
3: Say, there point. are no new ideas under the sun, mm. but we keep having these new ideas.
1: You ever hear the Howard Hughes story about him buying one of the hotels in Vegas? Oh, There's, because
3: they wanted to evict
1: him. Yeah. yeah, they
3: wanted to evict him. <laughs> yeah, it might have been the frontier. the frontier. He had the Frontier at one time.
1: One of them. There, there used to be a tunnel under the street from one of them, the Frontier to the Desert Inn. I, it was two of the hotels. I can't remember which one. There was a tunnel underneath there. Um, but... The um, Yeah, so he's staying in one of the the suites reserved for the whales. People make money, and he's there, whatever, and won't leave because he's crazy. And he's there like a month or so. Finally, the manager's like, we got to get this guy out of here. we got to make some money. And they tried to evict him, tried to evict him, and he wouldn't leave. So finally, they they, they send the constables up, and they're like, we're going to pull him out. And he won't let him in. He makes a couple phone calls. And like, however many, an hour, 20 minutes, three days, whatever it was, they're like, Mr., Hughes can stay because he owns, owns the
3: building. He, in one of the hotels he <laughs> stayed at, full. the
1: Silver Slipper that's uh, right. yeah, was that's... in
3: front of him. And every time the Silver Slipper sign would turn, he perceived that it would pause. And he thought that there was a camera in the toe of the silver slipper sign that was recording him.
1: What happened to that slipper? Cray <laughs> cray.
3: Da- actually, yeah, that slipper is now downtown on Fremont Street.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they got rid of the silver slipper quite a <laughs> yeah. while ago. Just interesting stuff. But anyways, it opens this week, and I'm going to see it. And I think uh, there's some, certainly some good lessons. There's some bad lessons, too, but some good lessons with the founder. Quick break. It's Doc, Jason, and Brad in for Pat and Stu and Jeffy this week. All right, Doc Thompson, <laughs> along with Jason Buttrell and uh, Brad. Uh, just Brad. Just Brad, that's Br- all. I- the Blaze Brad on Twitter. Jason, it's yeah. at Jason Buttrell and at Doc Thompson. Show. Please tweet at us if you would. Follow us along the way, and we'll communicate with you even after the program. Um, we've got some tweets coming in right now, though.
2: Uh, yeah, Greg from, from Greg 7th Regiment said that amazing, funny, and highly intelligent Doc Thompson, Jason Buttrell, and Pat, or, er, and, whoa, he didn't put Brad Staggs on there.
1: Oops. <laughs> he's a wise well, man. Say, smart guy. Smart guy. Yep. We fooled another one, gang. Yep. We all uh, eat another day. We fooled
2: another one. John Boy <laughs> says uh, something he learned today. he's shocked, shocked. I tell you that Donald J. Trump isn't
1: going to prosecute HRC. <laughs> no, shocked. Shocked to find gambling going on here. And what's this? We're not going <laughs> to uh, prosecute Hillary. Shocked. Go uh, figure. I like limes.
2: That's oh a, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's I like limes says, uh, we need a Douche Hall of Fame convention of the states to get Hannity in. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> convention of state, a Douche Hall of Fame convention of states, Marissa? <laughs> have, they, have they thought about that? Has Pat and Stu ever brought that up? Well, they, wow.
2: Well, I like Lime says Pat and Stu and Jeffy have been stonewalling people on that. So. Oh,
1: wow. A convention mm. of states for the Douche Hall of Fame. Wow, Marissa, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to get on this. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. clears throat> Marissa is... The producer for uh, Pat, Jeffy, and Stu, and she's in the control booth telling us right now that uh, they've been stonewalling us. Okay. (laughs) Interesting story uh, from England. Apparently, British teachers are claiming that Disney movies promote racism and sexism and all kinds of other bad-isms as well. And they cite specific examples. Now, before I get to these examples, as (laughs) Jason and I and some of the members of the crew and the camera crew are discussing Disney and some of the Disney movies, I say, hey... Have you ever seen the stuff about the questionable things that are in Disney movies? And there's all kinds of stuff you can find on YouTube where they, where they do frame by frame, and you can see some really weird, funky stuff. <laughs> yeah. We point out one of them to Brad, and all of a sudden he finds it, and this is what you get. There's a scene where, is it the Little Mermaid getting married? Yeah. Is that what yep. it is? Yeah. Yeah. Where sure the, is. The minister see is um, <laughs> seemingly aroused. And you think that sounds crazy until you go and look at it. And they've done it frame by frame. And you it go, right that just there. doesn't happen. There's an extra little bulge. Uh, <laughs> there's One of the movies where there's uh, smoke and the smoke spells out sex, I think, think it is. Is it Lion King? I think that's what it is. (laughs) All kinds of crazy examples. Like, that just doesn't happen, does it? It can't. It
3: can't. I mean, the animators mm -hmm. have to. I mean, that's a a grueling process, doing all of painting each one of those frames. They know exactly what they're
1: painting. No wonder I like the Lion King so much. (laughs) The subliminal responses. (laughs) I'm always strangely amorous after it. I've never understood. (laughs) I have this thing for lions now. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) If you look
2: at, like, the team, that are on some of these animation teams are huge, so you know there's like one. There's one guy in between a hundred of them. It's like you, you know, know who that guy is. As he's...
3: well, don't you remember <laughs> the little, the Little Mermaid? So <laughs> I got to carry on the tradition. The Little Mermaid, don't you remember the cover of the DVD or the VHS when it came out? All the phallic symbols on the. On the oh, cover that's of right. It? Yeah,
1: and they actually pulled it. Mm-hmm. I think they pulled but the phallic symbols. They,
3: bu- <coughs> they pulled the. Uh, <laughs> Yes, they did, Doc. Glad (laughs) you asked. Repeatedly.
1: Uh, Here's uh, here's what we're going to do moving forward on the uh, the Glenn Beck uh, television program. From now on, the crew has decided we're going to put some subliminal things in with the Glenn program. So Mm -hmm. what you want to do is record (laughs) it and then slow it down and watch frame by frame. And you'll see little things behind him. Naked images of Jeffy. All kinds of of stuff like that. Hidden in the ice cubes. That's what we're going to work on. Uh, but some of the things with the uh, the British teachers they claim that, for example, they say Beauty and the Beast is an example of domestic abuse. She had only her mm-hmm. sexuality to defend her.
3: Because she was under constant uh well, her under thing was constant that she was smart.
2: Her thing was not sexuality, is that she was the <clears> only throat> throat> smart like she was the only one that was smart and she was reading books and Wrong. stuff. Wrong. That's
3: completely
1: wrong. And wasn't she also kind and gentle and patient?
3: Wrong, wrong, wrong. Just (laughs) her sexuality.
1: What do we got? Some about the Aladdin, Snow White, the Little Mermaid, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. Also, they have issues with those. Uh, What are the specifics of those, Brad? Do you know? Uh, In
3: Snow White, she doesn't mind her uh, housework because she's sure a rich young man is going to come along
2: someday and take her away.
1: Well, that's just wow. stupid. There's no rich young men now. <laughs> not anymore. Those, aren't the, those are the good old days. Yeah. It's,
2: it's interesting to me that people see that in Disney movies because <laughs> I, I see this through the eyes of my son. And my son, I have a son and a daughter. And my daughter loved Disney movies. My son started hating Disney movies. And I was like, why don't you watch like, Disney movies? You can't, he's not watching them with the family anymore. And he's like, Dad, because there's no boys in them anymore. It's like there's no male role models in these
1: anymore. It's, it's all so that, he said there's no boys in them?
2: Yeah. yeah. He, How old is he?
1: He's 11. Okay, but he, he got this and figured it out.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, he, he likes watching like, shows where there's, like, you know, the, you know, the, the hero protagonist or whatever. Right. He doesn't care if it's a boy or a girl, usually, right. But as long as, if he can watch one movie where he can personally identify with, he stopped being able to identify with these. He and can't, that's, I, what, he can't that's identify my,
3: with a princess. Well,
2: right. What? Thankfully, no, my son wow. can't. I'm very proud of that. But, <laughs> but, but, he, but I, I started thinking about it, and I was like, that's totally true. I mean, it's like they think that, the way I see it, they think that men are kind of scary. So they've kind of gone away from it, and they so they've kind of glorified a female protagonist. Exactly opposite of what this is saying.
1: Well, we went from a time period where you had Father Knows Best and Ward Cleaver. I mean, these guys were infallible. <laughs> they, were, they were virtually perfect. And even their mistakes were, were pretty good mistakes, right? I mean, that, that's what we went for. I and mean, that obviously wasn't that's real. That's right, kitten. That's right, kitten. Obviously, that wasn't real life. And maybe it was, you know. How do you know? Too far. Maybe now. it, it was wasn't real life, life in my house. I know that. Mine either. Um, but then we got to the point where most of the male characters on TV, the fathers, the, the strong role models, are dirtbags or stupid. Yeah. Bewitched. Darren. Yeah, you're right. You saw kind of a transition there. Darren kind was of a bumbler, bumbling. Yeah.
3: Boy, was he an idiot too. He had a wife who was a witch who could do anything. A hot, wiggling her nose, magical woman, and he was suppressing her.
1: And right. and what about Major Nelson? Idiot, right? Complete hot idiot. magical All woman. All she had
3: to do was blink her eyes, and anything was possible. <laughs> right? No,
1: anything. You I, know that wasn't real life because he would have had many hot magical uh-huh. women.
2: Yep. There's this there's this weird thing going around, especially among feminists, that like straight white men had their time. So now, if you put a yeah. straight white man as a lead character, then they instantly think that it's you know misogynist, racist, whatever. They're like, no, 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 you cannot do that anymore. I used to wa- I was watching this show called The Magicians. I think it's on like sci-fi, mm-hmm. and. I actually, first I was into it. It got really weird towards the end. But I read an article from from some feminist in like Salon or something like that. But she goes, "Oh yeah, it was great, except they well, the the lead character is stri- is both straight, white, and men, uh, and a man." Was he was also like, a
1: Christian? What?
2: No, that, they left that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the ultimate crude Wow, that been, yeah, <laughs> <of it>. yeah. <laughs> But still, that, that her entire argument was that she's like, "Look, that that's an old era. We've had that before. It's time now for you know this new." You know, protagonist of a you know a strong female lead. But I don't think we're void of strong Well, no, exactly.
1: Lead. That's the problem with it. That's fine to have those, and right. I can enjoy those movies too. Does it have to be in everything? Right. That's the problem. You're advocating. Uh, something that you used to despise, right? It was singular, this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the thing is. You talk about diversity, to make it diverse, right? Well, that's it. and that's what we've discussed on Talking Walking Dead before, <clears throat> the
3: fact that a lot of these either characters or relationships are forced
1: yeah. now. There's not enough black zombies, enough white zombies? Uh, well,
3: the uh, Rick and Michonne. It's a, an interracial um, uh, relationship, and it just uh, it feels It forced. doesn't work. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever Not because it's
1: interracial, but they have no chemistry. Right. right. Uh, or, or the writing, the setup to it wasn't. Right. Okay. And,
3: and you know, they had the, the lesbian uh, relationship, and she got the arrow <laughs> through the head. And then everyone was upset that, that the, the lesbian character was killed. All of these seem forced. It yeah. doesn't seem, it didn't seem natural, at least in that show.
2: This is in movies where they, it seems forced because it's like they're trying to check the box off. But it also, yeah. it's also relevant in politics now. Like, I have a feeling that Barack Obama was elected. He had no experience whatsoever. He was a nobody. But he got it, but they really wanted that African-American check in the box. You, the, the, the Hillary fr- Clinton, she gets elected, not, she, oh. or she, she is running Nominee, to get elected, yeah. because, not because she's the right person for the job, because she's the, she's the female president checking the box.
3: When Barack Obama was inaugurated, I had tears in my eyes, because I thought, okay, we are past it, we are past this, the, the, we're, we're, you can't be president if you're black or, or any other race, we've finally elected a, a black president, and we've gotten past this stigma.
1: Nope. A buddy of mine who is a salesman at uh, WRVA in Richmond, Virginia, where I was working, when Obama got elected, he happens to be black. And the next morning, and he's, you know, kind of in the middle as far as politics goes, I said, what would you think last night? He goes, I called my kids down, and he has three kids, and they were all uh, like uh, preteens, you know, 10, 11, 12, right in there. And he said, I called them down, and we just sat and watched it. And I told him how, you know, what this moment meant, not from a political standpoint, but from a we have finally gotten beyond this. Mm -hmm. And when he told me this, this is a guy who was, you know, almost 50 and he lived through some pretty awful stuff. And I was right with him. I was like, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. At least maybe we get that. That box checked.
2: I I agree, but I just think that now it's become more like a let's check the box regardless of the person is the right person for the job. Diversity Uh, for diversity's sake. Right. I I so want to see a very qualified female president one day. That would be great.
3: But But qualified—that's the key word. Qualified. Let me
1: give you an example of this. So I see a headline last night that says Tim Ryan is challenging Nancy Pelosi for speaker or for a majority uh, minority leader in the house. Why does he hate women? (laughs) <laughs> right, so it's and Tim Ryan, white male from Youngstown area, Ohio. That's he's the representative. Of course. And it said he's be, There are charges against him of sexism. Of course. So I started. I was like, Oh my gosh, was huh. he caught with an intern? What happened? No, the sexism is just wanting to run that he would dare challenge <laughs> yeah. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. And the she probably I, has bigger balls than he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, probably. And I think it was the justice editor at Think Progress. The Justice Editor. By the way, who's our Justice Editor around here? Do we know, Do we know who that is?
3: Uh, boy, we're going to have to research that. Well, I, I may, that may be in the running
1: for it, I think, <laughs> yeah. now. The Justice Editor said, um, a, basically, a white man, a backbencher, challenging this most accomplished woman in Congress is what... Uh, sexism is this. This is the example of sexism. <laughs> well, that, <that's> Simply because <laughs> you would dare to challenge him? It's so it's so ridiculous, but it's actually a good move replacing her with someone from it Ohio. It is. It is. But well, yeah. Well, and you got another Tim too. So or another Ryan. So you have a Tim Ryan and a Paul Ryan. <laughs> if you get.: some, but, <laughs> right. but no, um, it's exactly the opposite. To say I am going to challenge Nancy Pelosi on the field of competition with no regard that she is a woman shows that I don't care about gender. To say we must protect her, how dare you challenge her, shows that you are the one that is sexist. Mm -hmm. Right, right. All right, quick break, back with more. It is uh, Doc Thompson along with Jason and Brad on this, the Patents Do program. Shot there! Wow, that's uh, pretty good there, guys. <laughs> Nicely done. You can tell Bill's directing today.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us. Doc Thompson, Jason Buttrell, and Brad Staggs in for Pat, uh, St- Pat Stu, and Jeffy. If you're not familiar with the wonderful world of Stu, where have you been? Right. Right. We got a little clip from the wonderful world of Stu about the 9%. I'm not sure what the 9% is, but we'll find out together.
4: Donald J. Trump, President Of the United States. Many people are perplexed as to how this could have happened. Well, they shouldn't be so perplexed. This very event was foretold to us decades ago. An important documentary revealed that a man with flaxen hair would use the profits from his garish casino to shake up the party and then ultimately amass complete political power. All he had to do was watch Back to the Future 2 to know that Donald Trump was going to run and win. The highest office in the world, obviously. So is Hollywood responsible for President Trump? Of course it is. Number one, if you are served with a 24-7 diet of Kim Kardashian's butt, you're going to have a reality show president. That's just going to happen. And number two, if we blame Hollywood, then we don't have to blame ourselves. (laughs) It's the American way. But how did we come to nominate Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, for that matter, two of the absolute worst candidates of all time? And that's not just opinion. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are disliked bigly. Bigly. During the campaign, both candidates had historically low favorability ratings. According to CNN exit polls from the election, 60% had an unfavorable view of the Donald. Hillary fared only slightly better. 54% unfavorable. Think about this. Donald Trump just ran a campaign constantly bashing China. Hillary Clinton did the same with the NRA. But both the NRA and China have better favorability numbers than both Hillary and Donald. Even the IRS has better favorability numbers than these two. It's easy to feel depressed about the state of the country, even if you were happy with the final result. In a country of 324 million people, how did we end up with these two? Let me break it down for you using the thing we all need after this election, a nice, stiff drink. There are 324 million people living in the United States. With all the haranguing from celebrities and Facebook friends and family members, it would seem like probably 300 million-plus Americans would be motivated enough to vote or risk an embarrassing amount of unfriending. But do 324 million people make it out to the polls? Of course not. Of those 324 million people in the country... 76 million are under the age of 18. And while you'd have to believe even a child wouldn't choose Clinton or Trump, they didn't get a chance to prove that. 21 million people are illegal immigrants or other non-citizens. They can't vote either, or at least they're not supposed to. 6 million people are felons. Well, technically it's 6 million and 1, but they did allow Hillary to vote. That leaves 221 million people who are eligible adults. Of those 221 million, 88 million don't vote at all, ever, for anything, except for maybe American Idol, and now that that's canceled, they are totally screwed. Of course, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were chosen long before November. Of the 133 million people left, about 73 million people avoided voting in the primaries. I certainly can understand not wanting to make this election season any longer than it has to be, but that's a big gulp out of that glass. What's left? 60 million people. But that includes 14 million Democrats that didn't vote for Hillary. And it includes 16 million Republicans that didn't vote for Trump. In the end, you're left with 30 million people, the 17 million that voted for Clinton, and the 13 million that voted for Trump, who were responsible for making this election about choosing the worst of two very undesirable evils. That's just 9% of America. 9%. That's almost as depressing as the fate of Hillary Clinton's pantsuit tailor right now. I mean, almost. If you're like me, you're hopeful that Trump will be the most, tremendous, best, amazing, tannest president ever. It doesn't serve me or anyone else in this country to root for his failure. I don't know if you realize this, but we can't really afford another disastrous presidential term. If you are upset that 9% of the population designed the sucky choice structure for the 2016 election, there are a couple things you can do. Right now, the overwhelming majority of people don't pay attention to the presidential race for approximately three years and 50 weeks. And then they become experts on the campaigns for the last 14 days. Don't do that. Here are two directions to go in. Get involved earlier. Read more about the candidates and their positions. Ask yourself if their values align with your values. Before that, actually get some values. Watch the Kardashians less (laughs) yeah that's a surprise huh i guess that's the advice you'd expect to be recommended to you a longer and more educational investment in the election hopefully will yield a measured and meaningful decision when it comes time to enter the voting booth during the primaries and then the general but let me give you another option if you don't want to put all that effort into the presidential election keep watching the kardashians value your time not being occupied with politics. I mean, that must be nice. Ask yourself if you really are a cat person or a dog person and ponder that question. Read your mail or the back of a cereal box. And whatever you do, don't get involved with the election at all. We act like this is our civic duty to vote, but it isn't. It's only our civic duty when we know what the hell we're talking about. Yes, voting is great, but voting without knowledge is the opposite of great. For example, heart surgery, that's great. However, you need to go to medical school before you start performing heart surgery. The worst thing a politician can do is to get someone to the polls who doesn't know anything about the issues. If that's you, don't feel bad. Stay freaking home. And if that's not you, get involved with the election process earlier and save the world next time. So to review, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were the most unlikable candidates ever to run for president. We have just 9% of the country to thank for that. And if you don't like that, get involved or blissfully live life as though nothing is happening around you. At this point, I'm not sure which path is better. But to give you a hint, I'm a dog person. (laughs)
1: My buddy, Michael Palka, who has an evening radio program on the Blaze Radio Network, and you may know him from his different writings at theblaze.com and appearances here and there. He said uh, tonight on the program, he's going to discuss the Thanksgiving dish or item that you wish really wasn't on the table. I thought that's a pretty interesting topic because I have universally always liked everything at Thanksgiving dinner, even when I was a kid and was pretty picky about stuff. Thanksgiving dinner just all just worked together.
3: Cranberry sauce,
1: do you just do you hate it or it's just? I don't hate it.
3: It's just one of those things that I never. When I'm going down the line, it's never one of those things that I want to take a big extra scoop of.
1: Did you have the the jelly that was the shape of the can? Yes, that may be something to do with it too. That's what we always had. My mom in the later years got so lazy she didn't even slice it. You just took a hunk (laughs) off, just put a spoon there. It went from past the can. Right. It went from precision slices to just. (laughs) to just, there's a spoon on it, take a hunk like this, and it was like that. And then I went to a friend's house, and um, her whole family, her mom would make a a cranberry relish with a little grated orange in it and whatever, and it was great, and I was like, this is great. She goes, we all hate it. And I was like, okay, so that's like a family joke, and I think it's awesome. So I
2: like it. My family was great because uh, I married uh, into a Mexican family and uh she her I, like, it was like an adventure every single holiday how they celebrate And it.
1: there's, there's I'm trying to think, I think it's um, Christmas, is it <clears throat> tamales? Yes. Yeah, I got I it. Know, yeah. How did you even know tamales? that? Because Dude, I, I, I am filled no with all kinds of useless information. <laughs> tamales at Christmas, I remember that, yeah. So yeah. when
3: I come over to your house <clears throat> to remodel your bathroom with your wife, because that's what she was Do doing the other night. Yep. Uh, doing it at Christmas, and we'll have tamales.
1: Now, now, is there is other meals for other holidays, or is tamales just a standard for other holidays, or it's just various things?
2: I've noticed that they squeeze in tamales for almost every <laughs> single holiday. <laughs> even that was don't squeeze the tamales. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even Thanksgiving, there was a, a big bowl. Of, somebody brought in the tamales. Yeah. So I, That was just kind of a cool difference.
1: I, I wonder, because tamales are a little tricky to make, too. I oh. mean they're, they're pretty time-consuming with wrapping them and whatever. So maybe that's it. It's kind of a special, this is, you know, takes a lot of time and effort, that type of thing. It's not as easy. That's interesting. Um, my w- wife is Korean, so my Korean family, um, they basically just celebrate... American Thanksgiving. Um, there are some non-traditional American things, like they'll do pickled moo, which is radish. It's like a, uh, the, the big white Asian radish, and pickled moo uh-huh. is sensational. It's, I was going to say it sounds good. It's pickled radish. It tastes almost uh, like, like pickled, pickled cucumbers radish. or something <laughs> like that. They do turkey? And yeah, I mean, Just we standard. do turkey, we do the whole thing. I don't know what they do in Korea if they do this. And kimchi's at every meal, so that's they always a Thanksgiving dinner. They really do dinner.
3: Thanksgiving in Korea, do they? Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't think so. It's a <laughs> no. little bit different. But yeah. so at our table for Thanksgiving, there's all the traditional stuff, and then there'll be pickled moo and most certainly kimchi. I mean, that's always <laughs> with it as well. So. And you didn't,
3: you didn't get to try any of the, uh, the pie cake in.
1: The pie cake, I did not. Was that floating around here? It was
3: the, when they uh, when they made it uh, uh, on radio last week. Uh, Matthew could not find the cake, or I think it was the whatever cake he could find was one that Glendon liked, so he used custard or cream filled donut inside a cake.
1: So it was a donut so cake? It was a,
3: yeah, donut cake. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Or a Pie nut, okay, or something. But
1: you did he use open. one pie. Uh, you, he would have used one because I've seen cake, where you've used three.
3: One cake and then he, I mm-hmm. think, four or five donuts in there, and they were they were not happy with it until they got into the creamy filling in the donut, and that then, was a little
1: surprise filling oh,
2: there. Oh, oh. I, I, at this mm. point in my life, I think Thanksgiving might be my f- absolute favorite holiday. Like Chris, oh, yeah. Christmas for a dad is hectic. <laughs> Because you stay yeah. up late putting stuff together. Then you're late on Christmas Day still putting stuff together, yeah. making things work. But Thanksgiving, you get to watch the Cowboys. Yep. You know, ultimate bonus there. Uh-huh. Be- and they're going to be beating up on the Redskins. Bank it. <laughs> um, and you don't, I don't even get up. Like my wife and uh, you know her uh, family, yeah. they do all the cooking. So As they-
3: she should. As she should <laughs> in right? the kitchen. That's right.
1: You know, it's funny about that. I was, I was having this conversation with my mom. I said, when you're a kid, Christmas is great. Yep. And you become a parent, and it's a lot of stress and other stuff. I said, but... You get to a point, you get a little bit older, your kids get a little bit older, and it takes on a different, like, feel to it. It's more pious in a good way and ponderous, reflective. I mean, do you feel that way at Christmas? You see the lights on Christmas Eve and... You drink this a bottle year, I'm of wine. going to be less of a Grinch. Okay. You drink a bottle of wine or several bottles and of wine. And start calling for, you get very I ponderous. love you.
3: I love you. I've always
1: loved you. I'm going to be best. calling you. Don't, yeah. it's, coming, <laughs> it's coming. It's <laughs> coming. All right. Thanks for joining us. They appreciate it. If you would, please follow at Doc Thompson show on Twitter, at Jason Buttrell, and at the Blaze Brad, and we'll communicate with you after the program as well. Tomorrow morning on The Blaze Radio Network, I'll have The Morning Blaze, followed by the Glenn Beck program, and then right back here for Pat and Stu. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving.